1: All right, one of the best segments of the week: our mailbag segment, your questions answered 100% correctly, or your money back. I'm sure, we're going to have a couple on Antonio Brown and
0: the Bucks. Let's get started. All right, we'll start with Ellis, who asked: Did you notice the dichotomy in Sunday's game? Completely weird pregame for the starting corners, and a really bad first half on both sides of the ball. Then AB literally walks out. The Bucks find a way to come back and end up winning on a 93-yard drive with a, with no turnovers. Crazy.
1: It was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen Um, from start to finish, including, you know, the little subplot of Jamal Dean and Sean Murphy bunting, uh, their pilot getting COVID, them, you know, not arriving to Teterboro Airport until noon, um, not coming onto the field until after the game had started, not playing really until almost the second quarter. That was strange enough. And then you had um, certainly all the antics of, you know, Antonio Brown later. But between that, you know, the Jets – kind of had their way, and I think a lot of it was uh, in part because those guys didn't start the game. Uh, You know, we saw Pierre Desir miss some egregious tackles. They've been missing Levante David badly, okay? If you notice, and this is probably not a surprise, but when Levante David doesn't play, Devin White is mortal. He had a career-low two tackles in that game, two. Uh, The last time he – the only other time he had two tackles in a game was his rookie year at Carolina. He got hurt. He played six plays. He still had two tackles. Uh, He disappeared. And the Jets had a nice game plan. They stayed away from the – and most teams try to do this. They stayed away from the big defensive tackles, didn't try to run the ball inside. Ran a lot of reverses, a lot of motions, uh, you know, with Braxton Barrios, It was very effective because they made their corners and the guys on the edge – you know, try to come up and make tackles, and the you know, Bucks had two new outside linebackers and Anthony Nelson, Joe Tryon, Shauinka. So they attacked those guys and ran it. You know, the the big run was the 55 yarder, um, but they still you know ran it for like 150 on just 26 carries. So the Bucks run defense has not been good. Um, it was bad before anything AB did. You know, uh, I don't know that there's a correlation there. I do think that you know they they started to. uh uh, well, they got their players back. That helped. And then they started to play just more sound technique and fill their gaps. And they kind of shut down the run a little bit. They didn't get pressure on the quarterback, though. You know, I mean, he had just one sack by Anthony Nelson. He had time to throw. I thought that Zach Wilson was really good, given the fact that he doesn't have a ton of weapons around him. So, all in all, that was not a good performance until 15 seconds remaining in the game when they pulled it out. And. You know, you give Tom Brady all the credit, but they got the one stop they needed, you know, and that was on the fourth and two play, which I think the Jets screwed up. Again, I love the call. I think if you have a chance to win a game against Tom Brady for getting two yards, two yards. You know, any game I go in against Tom Brady, if I say to you, you've got one play to make two yards and you win, you win the game, right? You're going to go for it. And, you know, they they the jet sweep was there they had berrios in motion for whatever reason it wasn't communicated or wilson decided to to take the sneak obviously that was a bad call cuz it didn't work um and then you know we saw what brady did on the way back but yeah it was it was a crazy game what i would say you know and without hardy really hard having to think very hard about this it was, it was the wildest game i think i've ever watched and i've watched them all um since like 1990 uh, that the Bucks had played I, I, with so many subplots, that game story I wrote. I mean, I could have written, you know, a book about just that game alone, and it was crazy. So, yeah, granted, I, I don't know that there's a correlation between how the Bucks played better after AB left. Um, the the good thing is that they didn't blink, you know, and I, I again, I think that's a credit to Tom Brady. I mean, you know, he's so focused. He's so in the moment, um, didn't notice or says he didn't notice that AB, what he had done on his way off the field, he's just on to the next play
0: and trusted his guys and won a game. All right, Brian tweeted us and says, I know that the focus will be on other elements of the game Sunday. However, was the interception by Tom Brady an underthrow or just a poor route by Mike Evans? You
1: know, um, I don't know the answer to that, although I, I am guaranteeing this is 100% correct. I, I think what Tom was trying to do, he didn't see a separation um you know uh, and a lot of times he'll throw even down the field he'll throw it sort of underneath and mike will get his head around faster i think if mike tracks the ball faster he comes back and makes that play i've seen him do that i've seen him leave the ball short um you know it, 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 there's sort of a there's sort of a of a body language read that they have to have um, you know Mike's coming off a bad hamstring I don't know if, if if you know what Tom was anticipating anytime the ball's intercepted it usually goes on the quarterback right um, he didn't get it out in front of him that would have been the safer place to miss but I think he didn't see the separation and he wanted to give Mike a chance to come back and make a play which we've seen Mike do a million times so I think he hung it out there a little short almost deliberately so it wasn't quite a back shoulder because you usually don't throw the ball that deep back shoulder but I've seen him, you know, give Mike those opportunity balls. I kind of think that was one of them, but Mike simply did not track it. Um, Hadn't practiced, you know, who knows if that was a factor. Again, the leg injury, but he didn't track it well. And by the time he got his head around, the DB saw the ball first. And I think if Mike had seen it, he would have bodied that guy up. And at worst, it's probably an incomplete pass. But you know what? Those are low percentage throws to complete to begin with, and they complete – you know, a, a fairly uh, large amount of them. So I think you just – you chalk it up to, hey, I gave my guy a chance. It wasn't the best throw I made. He didn't see it, and the other guy made a nice
0: play. All right, Craig tweeted, With all the injuries on offense now in the defensive front seven, do the Bucks need to look at more ball control and be a tad more vanilla to limit other teams' possessions? Maybe a tad less no risk it, no biscuit? I think they've been
1: that for a while. You know, I, I mean, I, I go back to – uh what was the game? Uh, maybe uh, Atlanta, um, where they had a 13 play drive, and I think most of them were passes. And you say, "Well, that's not that. That's not you know, kind of a grinded out." Well, it was because they were all checkdowns. And you know, this offense is is totally Tom Brady's now. Um, there's there's very you know, other than the other than the language of it. Um, you know, what Bruce Arians' offense looked like was four verticals and one guy underneath. Uh, what this looks like now is something entirely different. And, you know, Brady, Brady, we've talked about this, how he's, he's always going to be patient. You know, he's going to take what defenses give him. Um, he's not going to force the ball into coverage. Uh, he sees the game in a very simplistic way, hard to execute, but you want to play cover two, we're going to run it. Or, you know, you're going to play off the guy. We're going to throw it in front of you. You're going to play on top of the guy. We're going to throw it over your head, all that stuff. And he kind of sticks to that. If you really watch what he does, um, his, his thing is getting rid of the ball quickly, getting it to his playmakers in some kind of rhythm so they can make yards after the catch. And, you know, moving the sticks. I mean, they were so good on third down. But the reason they were so good on third down is that they were, they were pretty effective on first and second down. You know, he'll take those four-yard checkdowns, five-yard checkdowns, quick outs for three, four yards early in the series and, and keep himself in makeable third-down situations. So um, I do think that it, it is not the no-risk-it, no-biscuit, and, and, and it can't be, right, because you've lost some big play receivers. Um, yeah, you still got guys like Perriman that can get down the field, um, no question about that. You got a track star on the other side, obviously, but for the most part, you know he trusts Gronk, and Gronk's gonna make you know plays over the middle of the field, underneath. Uh, trust his running backs for the most part, and and Tom is is playing Tom Brady offense, and you know uh, I think you need to. I, I think it's a team game. I think you need to help your defense by not going three and out. I think you need to you know play complimentary football this time of year because you do want to limit possessions. You know, if you're playing Patrick Mahomes or you're playing Aaron Rodgers, how many times do you want them to have the ball? You know, on Sunday, I thought the most, you know, you, you need a fast start, right, when you're on the road. The best thing the Jets did, the Bucks had one possession in the first quarter. One. Well, there's very little Tom Brady can do, right? I mean, you score a touchdown, but, like, one possession is all they had. So – that's complimentary football that that's, that's, that's the way you win football games. It's not always about, you know, Hey, did he throw for 500 and, and Tom threw for four? Um, you know, did, you know, how many touchdowns, all that, that's great. But, you know, did you win the game? And I think Brady does as good a job of understanding how, you know, his role in, in, in winning the game, you know, don't, don't make turnovers early and put yourself in a hole. Don't give up field possession Um, and put your defense in a bad position early in a game. Like, if you watch him, um, he usually starts fast, but he's also, you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes to begin with, but he really doesn't make them early in games, you know. Uh, He keeps his team in it in the fourth quarter, and we see what he can do if he has the ball last. And how many games? I mean, that was the, I think, the 60-something, 63rd, or something like the 64th, fourth-quarter comeback in his career. I mean... That's the, uh, that's his M.O. That's, that's what he does. Hang around, hang around. Okay, I got the ball last. Okay, I'm going to go down and win. We saw it the first week against the Dallas Cowboys. We saw it, you know, against the New England Patriots. We've seen it really all year long. And for the last two years, he's been here. So, yeah, he's, he's smart enough to, you know, to understand the big picture and where
0: he fits in that. All right, Brian tweeted, I may just be drinking the Kool-Aid, but any chance Cyril Grayson Jr. can continue his growth in the offense and be the weapon that Antonio Brown was.
1: Is that now is that grape Kool-Aid? Is it fruit punch? Like what's the I haven't had Kool-Aid in a minute. I think I was more of a fruit punch guy, but I did kind of like the grape. Orange was pretty popular back mm-hmm. in the day. Yeah. I was Do like kids the drink Kool Aid at all?
0: You, uh no, like they the drink okay. they drink more they love Gatorade. I mean, that's what they really love to drink. But it's more more apple juice.
1: That's kind of today's Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know uh, what the Kool-Aid flavor of the week is. um, But I will say this. I just listen to people that do this job for a living, and it's not me. right? I write about the people that do the job for a living. And the guys that I'm listening to have told me that... Cyril Grayson has made the most monumental improvement in two years of any player they've been around. Now that's saying something when you're, you know, you're talking to guys like Bruce Arians, right? Uh, Byron Lefkowitz, who's, you know, who's been in a game for a long time. But, you know, Grayson who didn't play college, I mean, didn't play college football. I mean, making the leap from your last football game in high school to the NFL, you know, this is a guy who fights, every single week to stay on the roster right because he's a practice squad player right he fights every week to have a job and he's got to go out there on the scout team and he would tell the coaches that were running the scout team hey don't take me out I want to run all the I want to run as many routes as I can I want to run and he's running the other team's offense he's not running the bucks offense but he's playing football he's conditioning he's perfecting his craft um he's working on his routes he's you know He's he's trying to give the best look he can to the defense, and every day catching the ball, uh, staying after practice, he has made himself uh, into a very effective receiver. I mean, when you look at the limited chances he's had, I think he went into that game with all of five catches. He had four on the final drive, right, um, and including the touchdown. You know, had a 50-yard touchdown, I think, against uh, the New Orleans Saints earlier in the year. Uh, Had a 60-something yard, you know, play against, I think it was the Bills or one of those games. So his production for the amount of reps he's taken is off the charts. And I think he'll just get better and better as he plays. But there's something about, now this guy was world-class track star, right? Like not, LSU track is a big deal. And and this dude was running against, you know, in world competitions, right? So he was an elite athlete, and he was special for a long time in a very tough sport like track and field. And because it was considered professional, there were rules against him, you know, taking, mon- taking money and then couldn't play football, whatever. Now it's ironic, right, because they, they all can take money. Um, so... But But the fact that he knew how to train, the fact that he had the mental discipline, the fact that he had obviously a a, a desire to achieve uh, already built into him from his track and field days, those traits have transferred over into making himself a really good football player, and he's just starting. you know that's the thing, like he's just beginning. And so I give him a ton of credit. And, yeah, I you know, he, he's not – obviously he can't be Chris Godwin because he, he didn't grow up playing football the way Chris Godwin did. He didn't go to Penn State. He didn't – you know, he hasn't caught 98 balls in this league. And he's not Mike Evans, right, who got a late start in football himself, was a basketball player in high school, et cetera. But what he is is a guy that has a skill set, you know. there are, I've seen track guys – that couldn't catch a cold, right? Like, they could run all day. They could probably do all the physical things. They didn't have any hands. Cyril has hands. You know, he can catch the football. Um, Now, Early in his career, he looked woeful doing it, trying to track it while he was running, all that. But he's worked on it. He's worked on it and made himself pretty efficient. And that was the tough catch for the game winner, if you really watch it. It's a contested ball. He kind of snatches it away. Um, finds the pylon, gets in the end zone. So, yeah, I I think I think he can can continue to develop. Now, will he be good enough to help them win the playoffs? Mm, I don't know because now you're going to go against elite defenses every week. You know, it's not the Carolina Panthers. It's not um, you know, just you know some of the lower rung teams like the Jets that they're playing right now. So. You know, the competition now is going to get tougher. The stakes are going to be higher. How do you handle the pressure? But I think the pressure part of it, you know, look, could there be could there be anything more daunting than putting yourself in starting blocks of some track and field event and knowing, you know, that if you start just a nanosecond too too fast after training for months and months you're DQ'd in a, in an instant. You know, like those guys those guys live under pressure all the time. So, I think he will handle it. I think the reps will help him with the starting offense. Tom Brady told Bruce Arians, I trust him. Put him in there. Put him in there. I trust him. Put him in there. When Tom Brady
0: says that, then you're okay. And I think he proved it on Sunday. All right, Michael tweeted, how, is imp- how important is it for the Bucks to go t- for the second seed versus settling for the third seed in the playoffs?
1: Well, you can't settle. Um, I think that would be a mistake. You know, I I think home field advantage is big in the NFL. I think it's even bigger in the postseason. And, uh, you know, there's risk in football every time you go out there to practice or certainly in a game. But you're not going to rest anybody. Uh, Frankly, you don't have anyone to rest. The guys that aren't playing are injured. (laughs) So, you know, you you only have so many players on the roster. So you have to play the guys that are left, uh, whether that's Mike Evans or – you know, whoever is out there that's available that week, you you know, you need them to play because, you know, some of these guys – and the thing I would watch is special teams because some of these guys are coming from special teams and then now somebody has to step up and fill the teams area and sometimes you'll see breakdowns on that side of the the equation. But, yeah, it's huge. It's huge because, you know, it's the difference between, you know, say hosting – the Philadelphia Eagles, and then the next week hosting the Dallas Cowboys, right? Or, you know, hosting the San Francisco 49ers, which is what they would do right now as the third seed, and then having to go on the road, right, the next week, maybe to the L.A. Rams or maybe to the Dallas Cowboys. So to me, that's, you know, to try to win. I mean, your goal is to win the Super Bowl, right? So you want to you want to improve your odds as much as you can. You cut out the travel. Uh you know your home field. You know uh you know the elements of Florida which are much better than really other than a dome situation, you know, anywhere. So I think it's huge. And you know the path that they have taken in the past, um they played some home games, you know, and and Tom Brady has mostly thrived when he's had some home playoff games. You know, he hasn't won. I mean, they did it last year, but, I mean, I think last year was fool's gold. I think if people believe that they can go on the road and win more than one or two games, they're fooling themselves in the postseason. I just don't think it's going to be that easy. But if you tell me that the Bucks are going to have two home games, I don't care who it is, right? They wouldn't see Green Bay until the championship. And understand this, too. Having the second seed doesn't mean – that, that, that you will have to go on the road, quite the opposite. If somebody goes and Green Bay, gets the bye week the first week, say you beat up on Philadelphia, okay? Then the second week, if you win that game, Green Bay's got to play somebody, right? They're going to play somebody that won the first week. If they lose, if somebody knocks them off and you win, you're hosting the championship. I mean, it, seeding is, is big in the NFL. And especially now, when only one team gets the bye, you know it's to me. It's even more important to have that home game. So, with fans, with the Bucks' record, they're a different team at home. They just are, uh, as long as the New Orleans Saints don't show up <laughs> anytime soon. But uh, yeah, I, I think. And Bruce Arians said it. You play, you play to win the game. Hello, you play to win the game, and they're going to play on Sunday, and that's why the NFL moved their game to four twenty-five because they don't want the Bucks or you know uh, the the Rams or or the 49ers knowing the outcome of those other games, uh, you know obviously if, if San Francisco were to lose and the Bucks really can't improve their their position, then they might just say, well you know we're just going to tank and, and we don't have to play anybody. But that's not what the NFL wants. The NFL wants drama, right? They want they want your your teams to be focused on winning the game in hand. And I think the Bucks will be anyway. But that's why they they flex those games out like that.
0: Well, that leads us into our next question from Nick, who says, I think it's bad that the NFL can change the schedule at a week's notice. Imagine if you book travel around it. Needs uh, some changing, I think. We'd riot in England if this happened.
1: <laughs> you guys riot in England if anything happens, from what I understand. <laughs> I mean, I, the two times I've been over there at Trafalgar Square, there's been a protest every time I go there about something. And the traffic is abysmal, and you have to take the And that's another show. But, um, yeah. You, you, I mean, I think it's a little easier if you are just moving a game from one o'clock to four. You know, um, two games got moved to hard Saturday. It is to but moving, yeah, moving the days. Like, I think a couple things. One, if you have less practice time, that's a negative. Okay, period. And if you are the team on the road, that really sucks, right? One less day, and I gotta travel. Okay, that's the double whammy. That's what you don't want. Um, if you are at home. Not not as big a deal, but it's still one less day of preparation. I'll tell you what you don't want, and it's going to happen to somebody. Probably the Bucks. They're going to have games on Monday night.
0: Playoff Peter, games. Peter King speculated it would be a Bills Patriots game that would go there. If that's if the if, they're scheduled to play now, if the playoffs started today, and that he okay. thought he thinks it would be if those two teams are matched up, that would be the Monday night matchup. No, that's just Peter King. Speculated.
1: Well, I mean, I don't. You know, the thing about the playoffs is you want as level of a playing field as you can, right? Like you, you, you're, so you're basically Mm -hmm. somebody may have to, is going to have a short week, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, they very likely could have a short week and and one less day of preparation. And and not only that, if you've got a hurt player, sometimes they just need one more day, you know, where they would play or how about COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say you play on Sunday. A guy gets COVID on Monday. But oh, if I play on Monday, a guy tests COVID on Tuesday. Maybe he can't play on Saturday or Sunday. So there's so many different ramifications about that. I would be upset if I got that Monday night game. I, I if I were mm-hmm. a team, I'd be like, really, you know. But it's going to happen to someone, and it's it, we'll see how it plays out. But that's where the NFL and television, in particular, can kind of manipulate a little bit. I mean. They still got to win on the field, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. not they're not fixing games, but they certainly are influencing the probability of winning.
0: Well, and Either in regard to next week, and in regard to the next question, the NFL will take the TV money over your book travel money any day. And, <laughs> yeah, they will. And secondly, <laughs> you know, in America, where college football is scheduled. They're supposed to schedule games twelve days out, the Monday two weeks prior, essentially, but they get. Five or six different weeks they get exceptions where they can schedule games six days out, which is basically the Sunday before the Saturday game. So this happens all the time in sports here in America, So, particularly in football with college. So it's not, it's not, it's not a shocking thing like, like he says in England where they'd riot. All right, Greg tweeted us. Do you think that the relationship that Tom Brady has and has with Antonio Brown has had any impact on him returning next season? With weapons down, wouldn't this be a perfect time for O.J. Howard to step up? Also is Gio Bernard close to returning.
1: I don't think Tom Brady's making his decision based on anybody but Tom Brady. And maybe Giselle Buntkin, his his wife, and his family. Um, Tom's played with a lot of players. He cares about all of them. He cares maybe too much about Antonio Brown, in my opinion. That's you know, but Antonio Brown helped him win a Super Bowl. And so it was a symbiotic relationship um so you know is he upset that this went down the way it did yeah he is he is because he invested a lot of time in, in in antonio brown i mean he was the guy who said hey you know i think he deserves a chance he can help us and it was at a time you know a year ago when they had lost chris godwin mike evans was really beat up and and they were thinking oh my god or tom was thinking you know if these guys miss games, I, you know, we, we need a. I need somebody. I need a proven Pro Bowl player, and he's out there. We should get him. I know him. I played a game with him, and he'll come live with me, and I'll make sure he gets to practice. You know, he, he kind of took responsibility early on for Brown, and, and he made it through a season, and they won a Super Bowl, and he caught a touchdown. So, okay, and then they re-signed him, and eventually Brown became who Brown has always been, you know, unreliable, um, selfish in many ways, et cetera. So, I, I know. Like I was listening to his podcast the other night, and, and I know it upsets him. Uh, what's going on with AB? I was told by people in the organization that when he returned, that Brown's perception was the relationship was not the same. He didn't. He just didn't feel the same support for whatever reason, you know. And and I would take that that to me. That means coaching, right? I mean, because that's who he's in contact with all the time. I don't think he's talking about Jason Light. I think he's talking about BA. I think he's talking about maybe I don't know about left, which has been in his corner, you know, since he was a rookie, he played with him. Um, I don't know if he's talking about Kevin Garber. Who knows, right? With AB, but he just, he acted as if he were a little more paranoid as if there was a conspiracy around every corner, you know? Um, I think his injury was a big deal, how, he, how it was treated, um, you know, how much he practiced, you know, like even last week, you know, he he didn't practice for a couple of days. And frankly, the Bucks kind of thought he was going to miss the game. And then he, you know, shows up on Friday or Saturday, whatever it was. And is like, OK, I'm ready to go. And they were happy to play him because he was cleared. But they really didn't know sort of like what he was, you know, what he was thinking uh, about his injury. So I just think, you know, this is always I mean, look, we can talk about. Anything you want to talk about, right, with with mental illness and all this stuff. And I know I'm getting on an A-B rant here. But this is who Antonio Brown has been pretty much his entire career, okay? And these last three years, it's been a pattern, you know, where, you know, I'm not getting the love. I'm not feeling the love. I want out. Okay, oh, now I feel love. I feel love from the Raiders. Oh, wait a minute. They're going to make me wear a different helmet, um you know they find me oh i'm not feeling the love i want out okay now i feel the love with tom brady and bill belichick oh but this thing happened off the field people are always out to get me it cost me my job in new england oh uh, i erupted at a truck driver i beat him up now i'm suspended eight games woe is me wait i'm a changed man i went to anger management tony robbins has helped me oh i got a new life oh the bucks are great I love Tom Brady, I love my new teammates, I love BA, I love the organization, this is awesome, we won a Super Bowl, let me do it again, oh, I'm not, and then then all of a sudden he's not loved again, all of a sudden he's not feeling the love, oh, I'm suspended, people are out to get me, I want out of here, let me rip my clothes off and walk out of here, I mean, this is a pattern with this guy over the last four or five years, and probably going back before that, to be honest with you, so, you know, time bomb, you can use whatever adjective you want. If Tom Brady thought that he was going to get two years out of Antonio Brown, or in this case, uh, probably a calendar year, he was probably fooling himself. And now he's woke up and said that, you know, even Tom Brady can't stop this, right? Tom, Tom can't go to Jason Light and say, you know, forgive him after what he did on Saturday or Sunday. It's not going to work. And Tom knows that. So now it's thoughts and prayers. Hope he gets help. Hope people have empathy, empathy, empathy for, for what? I mean, I don't know what he's dealing with, but I know that this has been his pattern, you know, and he's had opportunities to address whatever issues he has. He has the full resources of the NFL. So I don't know, man, I, but no, to answer the question, I don't think this episode, I think Tom Brady will make his decision on two things and two things only one. How does he feel physically at the end of the year? can he still do it at the level he thinks he needs to do it at right he's not going to be an average quarterback right he's not going to be a guy that can win some games but isn't good enough to take his team over the top and win a super bowl he's not going to play he'd still be better probably than half the guys out there now physically he says i'll be able to play to him 50 we'll see but if he feels good physically that's that's a plus right that's the first thing. How does he feel? The, the, and maybe I'm reversing these actually, but the other thing is, wh- what's his family situation? I mean, Giselle has asked him after the last, I don't know, five Super Bowls, haven't you done enough? Haven't you done enough? There's a price that they pay. His children pay, his wife pays. And his wife has a, a multinational career of her own. And now they have, you know, really three children, if you, if, you know, along with the one that he had with his actress, Bridget Moynihan, that are now grown, you know, they're, they're involved in things and dad isn't at their games and dad isn't at their dance or whatever they're doing. I mean, you know, they've, they've waited a good portion, not all of his 21 year career, but a good portion of it anyway. And they've had to sacrifice. And so it comes down to, Hey, is it one more year? Have I done enough? What am, you know? Is my family willing to, you know, you got You can't make this decision in a vacuum. I mean, he's got to go home every day, but he knows that once those keys are on the table, he can't pick them back up. And he said this in the interview with SI when he won um, Sports Person of the Year. You know, I got to be comfortable sitting at home, watching quarterbacks, and saying, I know I'm better than that blankety blank. You know, that guy can't play. I'm 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 better right now than this guy and this guy and this guy and oh that guy too. Can he you know wh- what does he do with that? He's been doing the same thing for twenty one seasons, and really before that he's been playing football since he was what? Middle school. So it's a tough decision, but he knows he's at the end. And I think whether it's one more year or no more years, I think that's where we're at. I don't see him playing past forty five. Forty five seems to be a number that he wanted to achieve. Will it matter if he wins the Super Bowl? I don't know. If he wins another one, he might say, I could be the only guy to win three in a row. You know? Uh, The great ones never know when to leave the party. That's just the way it goes. They don't. But Mama's going to tell them when to leave, or she may leave. So, (laughs) you know, I think that's going to be the decision.
0: All right, Brian tweeted, The Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase connection seems to be elite, to say the least. Any chance with this pair starting their respective careers together that Chase will be able to catch Mike Evans's one thousand yard streak se- or season streak?
1: Well, it's going to be tough. You got to stay healthy. I mean, that's the first thing, right? Um, but now you have seventeen games. Yeah, thousand yards was that fifty something a game? It used to be like sixty-two or something. Someone there. Yeah, he could do it um, again. Can you stay healthy? Can you can you play enough games? Look, Jamar Chase, may be Jerry Rice. I mean, we don't know, right? Like, that dude is the best player on any field he walks on right now. And that's saying something. It really is, man. And if he's got the connection he has with Joe, if Joe Burrow's able to throw to him for the balance of his career, you know, it didn't help help hurt Jerry that he had Joe Montana and Steve Young, right? Mm -hmm. So start with the fact that you've got an elite quarterback who has chemistry with you from college. And, I mean, the plays they made the other day, it was like, it was funny. It was like the whole team was chasing Jamar Jamar, and, and through the end zone the whole game. Like I haven't seen that. And Jerry wasn't a – you know, this guy runs much better than Jerry did. But like there are certain guys that just take over games and you go, how does he get open all the time? Everybody knows he's going to get the ball. Like how how did they complete that ball? How did they? How is it that he gets behind the defense all the time? You know, or when he catches it, he runs past everybody. That's who this kid is it's it's fun to watch man he is he is electric and if they had gotten a little earlier start and had won a few more games i think he'd be in the mvp conversation and so would burrow for that
0: matter i think burrow is in the conversation he's not going to win it i think he's now he's, not some win of the it, polls, he's like fourth yeah. or fifth in most people's prediction yeah. at this point yeah he's in
1: it he, he's in it yeah
0: i mean well he's what the second highest total in two straight games 970 some yards the last two games Eight eight touchdowns, no picks. All right, Sean tweeted, Why do NFL players get fined for giving away game balls? Major League Baseball players toss balls in the stands. NHL players occasionally give pucks away. I don't get it.
1: Well, giving it away or throwing it away, I think in general they want to dissuade the practice of tossing balls into the stands. It's a liability issue more than anything, to be honest with you. You could break somebody's nose. Let's say you just hurl it up there and, you know, at, and, you know as far as handing them off I don't know I, I don't see a problem with that just make the guy pay for the football which is not cheap by the way I mean Mike Evans has paid a lot of money for a lot of footballs right he gave away Tom Brady's 700th and that cost him um cost a bucks for sure to get it back I I, I don't know you know they're they're a little more expensive than than your you know than your 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 baseball and and those missiles are hurling back at you and, and all that but I think in general look the NFL the NFL finds guys if their socks aren't high enough on their legs. Okay. They, they, they find them. They have, they literally, this is unfathomable to me. They literally have a guy whose job, there's somebody at every game whose sole job is to look for uniform violations. What? Yeah. Uniform violations. Right. Are the shoes the right color? Are the socks high enough? Are the pants down far enough? Uh, you know, is the towel sanctioned? Like, does he have another brand that, that the NFL doesn't sanction? Like, all of that stuff. And, and and they're not cheap fines either. I mean, they're taking real money out of guys' pockets every week. And the reason is, and it's, it's pretty obvious, right? But people don't think about it. The NFL brand, the National Football League, they want you to root for their brand. They want you to root for the, 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 the name of the guys on the front of the jerseys. Not... Why do you think they won't let them take their helmets off after a play? Right? They don't want individuality. They don't. They may celebrate a star or two and and market that, okay, sell his jerseys, things like that. But for the most part, they know that they have an unlimited resource, right, of players. There's millions of of guys that want to play in the NFL. If you start getting attached to certain people or certain players, all of a sudden the players have more power than they do. Okay, and it's a partnership. They're the league. They want to continue to be the league, and they're going to enforce their rules and make things uniform about the uniforms and everything else, so that it don't matter who's behind those helmets. You're still going to go out there and watch those games. You're still going to root for the Niners. You're going to root for the Cowboys. I really believe, and you, you know, it—that's their deal. That's why they have those guys at those stadiums you know, checking the boxes and finding dudes if they don't look exactly like the guy next to them. So it's always going to be that way, you know, and there's no other reason for it, quite frankly, you know, other than they want everyone to be the same. So when you consider that and you go, why do they stop guys from throwing footballs in you? Well, because they can. That's all. That's the only reason. You You could just charge the guy the price of the football, Right. Now, you know, if he's going to fire one up there blindly and break some kid's nose with it, that's not good, right? We don't have screens up except behind the kicker. I mean, they stop the ball from going in the stands when you guy kicks it, right? So, but just handing it off to somebody and stuff like that, I I don't know. I I don't get it. I don't know why they do it. I don't. They, I don't know. It's a great question. I just think it's because they can Hey, we didn't get to all of them. We've got some college football questions. We have the right guy to ask. We can do that tomorrow on the show. Matt Baker, our college football writer of the Tampa Bay Times, will join us to talk about the national championship game between Alabama and the Georgia Bulldogs. Sounds a lot like the SEC championship game because it was. Um, So we'll talk to Matt Baker tomorrow. Thanks for your questions. We appreciate you guys listening. For Steve Verstig, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.